I want to do something a bit practical this morning. We've got some kind of practical family news. There will be some content in it for any visitors that have come hoping for a, you could say, you know, a normal talk or a normal bit of ministry. Um, but I've got some practical stuff just to uh, unload as well. Um, I love the verse in Revelation 12:11. It says, they triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. Amen, anybody? Come on, Pentecostals. We, we, we love the blood. When Nathan Morris just preaches on the blood, the blood, the blood, Zach used to say to me when he was about six, Dad, please, can Nathan stop saying blood? It just all my veins feel weird when he says it. And Nathan's response is, you're a Pentecostal, get used to the blood, son. Um, the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know, your story is incredibly important. And this church's story is incredibly important. And two weeks ago, I shared some of our story and um, seemed to resonate with some of you who didn't know some of the history uh, as we kind of enter a church as it's journeying along its way. Do you know in 19, uh, sorry, in 2024, we'll be 100 years old. Started by a woman. Come on, girls. And has always had a tremendous ministry uh, to, to children as well. And um, so, uh, well, I don't know, 2024, we've got to do some cool stuff, haven't we? 100 years of Revive. That, we, we could do some cool stuff. So, um, but let me tell you another little bit of our story that's not 100 years old. 2009 and um, uh, uh, Revive, called New Life at the time, was uh, one congregation meeting on Bridlington Avenue and... I headed up northeast to Sunderland, a place of revival, and to a meeting by Ken Gott, and Jean Darnell was there. Anybody remember Jean Darnell? American prophetess, wonderful woman, has prophesied incredibly into, into my life, actually, but into the life of the nation. And I found myself up in a meeting with maybe 100, 120 leaders up in Sunderland, and it was a good meeting, and she shared. She had shared a prophecy, I think, in the 1960s or early 70s of revival in Great Britain. She prophesied about Christian media and communicators and all this kind of stuff. Well, she was coming back in what they actually said would be, and it turned out it was her last trip over to the UK. And they got her over in 2009, and we were in this meeting, and she shared what she felt was a continuation of the prophecy she brought uh, in the 60s or 70s. And then we... we Enter this kind of time of, uh, of praying. And, you know, a hundred leaders in a room praying. There was a, a hubbub, you know, spirit-filled, tongue-talking leaders. You can imagine what the noise was like because we were all kind of huddled in groups and praying and asking God to do some of the things that she had been prophesying about. And um, I've got my back to the stage. I'm in a group of about six people and one of our leaders is next to me. And, and, and uh, we're all praying. We're up in Sunderland. And I can hear um, uh, Jean Darnell shouting down the microphone over the hubbub of 120 leaders praying. And she's saying, fire from the humber. Is it there? Come on, will you work? Work for me. Oh, 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 oh. Fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. I can just hear her repeating it over and again. Fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. Fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. We're in Sunderland. I don't even know if she's been to East Yorkshire or would know what the Humber is. Anybody know the history? Has Jean ever been to Hull? She has. 
long time ago, was it? Okay, anyway. And so she's repeating this phrase over and over again. And I nudge the guy next to me and I say, hey, hey, Rob, can you hear what she's saying? Fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. And here we are miles away. And she, he looked back over my shoulder and said, she's not saying anything. And I could hear her voice clearly again and again, fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. You know, they say of the day of Pentecost, um, there's different ways to read Acts chapter 2. Was the miracle that languages were being spoken or was the miracle that things were being heard? And you can read it either way, actually. It's that maybe they were hearing something that wasn't actually coming out of someone's mouth. Well, she wasn't talking down the microphone. She was nowhere near the microphone. But I had heard her say again and again, fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. And, well, we came back from that weird, I kind of, it was was a weird little incident and and, uh, traveled back to Hull. And that was about the springtime. And I just ruminated and cogitated. Good phrase. Like a cooking program here, isn't it? Who used to say that? Lloyd Grossman or something. Roman and Cogita. Anyway, um, over, over the word. And by the summer, you know, prophetic words are like a TARDIS. Sometimes there's stuff packed in them and it's just a few words, but it begins to work on you. Listen, whenever, whenever I share stories, don't just think, okay, he's talking about the church. I'm also talking about you and your prophetic words. So we, we ruminated and cogitated over this word and pondered over it. And by the summer felt there's a change coming, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And we actually cleared the decks that summer and stopped a lot of our activities. And as a church, uh, we just began to seek God. And uh, by the autumn... We just began to feel this sense that God was saying we needed to spread across East Yorkshire to be broader than a single congregation. So can anybody remember the week that we launched three locations in one week? Well, we got three teams of about 30 people and we headed off to, where was it? Bruff, Hesel and somewhere in the east. Long Hill, that was the way I tried. Oh yeah, it's your place, wasn't it, Rob? And, and we headed off in three teams and boy, we prayer walked every street. We put 130,000 postcards through doors. We, we just went for it to reach communities and we held all kinds of meetings, everything from hot dogs to healing. And we just went after seeing souls saved. After 15 months of doing that, I had 300 decision cards from, new, from people becoming Christians. A 15 months of just going for it to take the fire of God through East Yorkshire and go to start reaching people. I don't know about you, that sounds exciting to me. There's something in our history, Revive, that says pioneer. Go reach new places. Go reach new people groups. And so I want to share with you the next step in our pioneering journey this Sunday. It shouldn't be a surprise. We did actually announce it when we gave all of you one of these last autumn. And we asked you to re-register with Revive after the pandemic. Because in any year, normally about 10% of the congregation will move with jobs and university and all that kind of stuff. So we needed to get our databases and our sense of connecting with people up to date and... uh, 
uh, and we sent you this that was announcing that one of the major changes coming out of the pandemic that we wanted to do was we wanted to begin to gather in smaller groups of more like 100 people and begin to spread across the region. I've said for years that actually, rather than one group of 1,000, it would be so much more powerful to have 10 groups of 100. Uh, bang for buck, ministry opportunity, raising up leaders, actually it does more. And as you know, as we went through the pandemic uh, months, oh, can you say months anymore? Years, right? Uh, uh, we came out with quite a change in our strategy, and we'll talk more about that another time. But here's the thing. Uh, as we head towards this summer, as we announced to you last autumn, um, this July, we are going to multiply the whole campus into two campuses and head off to go get the region for Jesus. Amen. Um, let me give you. So we announced that last autumn and then we've been on a process. The first thing um, that we did is we began to tour the region. In fact, that was the kind of graphics for the tour. We headed off to look at venues and find venues and hold Sunday mornings in different places across the city. Then we got everybody to, to re-register and uh, found that the church had grown from about 650 to 450. <laughs> it does that, right? Uh, that's called Jesus-like church growth. Lots of people leaving. I, I, you never mind that. It's in the Bible. But what we then did with the remaining 450 or so members of the church, we divided into around 10 pastoral houses that were now, different to before, geographically based. That was all to help us to begin to plant new campuses across the region. Uh, and so you'll know that you're now in geographic-based pastoral houses uh, pretty roughly. Am I supposed to do another slide? I don't think so. Uh, then early this year, we began to meet in those pastoral houses, hopefully so they'd land, you get to know your pastor. And also the other thing is that we would get used to the fact that actually, meeting in a group of a hundred people is still a considerable amount of people it's still a good group to pray with and worship with and and but the advantage being I always like slightly smaller meetings if I'm honest even though one bit of me likes the bigger the, the other smaller angle is you actually get to talk to people something happens when it goes from event to family gathering or a group where you think you know what there's, there's something about the psychology of the bigger the group gets, the lonelier the event can be. And so we're just working through some stuff with regards that and um, kind of moving forward with our pioneering drive. Um, while all that's been going on, so we did that for three months, met in our family gatherings. While that was going on, of course, as many of you will know, we've been given Kingswood House and that's being refurbished right now and extended to seat 100, not at our expense, which is wonderful, isn't it? Now, it's only got, that can only be step one in the developments at Kingswood. There's still some further stuff to come out there, which I'll tell you about again another time, but there's further favor uh, down the road in order for the work on Kingswood to keep growing. Um, uh, so now I, we kind of think things are pretty well set in place that this summer we want to go for it and begin to operate as two campuses in Hull instead of one. So just let me, let me do some inspiring stuff. We need a bit of inspiration and then I'll go through the practicals. Is that okay? But don't worry, it's going to be fun. Nudge someone next to you say it's going to be fun. And you're allowed to say back, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that one if you want to. That's okay. <laughs> Let's remember what this is all about. 
This is what the captain, the boss, the master, the builder of the church said to us. He said, go into all the world and get as cozy as you can and never change anything. Isn't that, have I, have I misread it? Oh, oh no, oh, sorry, there it is, the, the Bible, quick, fire me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and all people groups, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he kind of began to show how that would work as he talked to them about the day of Pentecost at the beginning of the book of Acts. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Isn't it incredible how those fearful disciples turned into such powerful people? The only difference was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't even the teaching. The difference was the Holy Spirit. They had the teaching. It's incredible. But when the Holy Spirit comes in you, power, which means authority, ability, and strength will come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in. And look at the way it goes. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The scenery is always changing. So here they are with three and a half years of teaching from Jesus. And then the power of the Holy Spirit hits them. And then they have this revival where it doesn't matter how much teaching you have sometimes or how much Holy Spirit you have, human nature sometimes wins. The reality is that they sat in Jerusalem and didn't move an inch. (laughs) How powerful is human nature to go, we like this, let's keep doing this, this is working. Quick, let's get the database going. Let's tell everybody we've got a revival on the website and have them come to us. But Jesus didn't say get everyone to come. He said, go. Amen. He said, go into all the world. Keep, keep the scenery changing. Let there be movement. You know a church is going wrong when it feels like a club. But we want a club. I can feel the joy in the room. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm more scared of Jesus than anyone. We have to go. That's what we're called to do, to go in and reach people. When's the last time you led someone to the Lord? We have to do everything we can in this church for a, stru- a church structure can never lead anyone to Jesus. But it sure can get in the way and make everyone comfortable. So, so it's not that a structure will change a thing, but hopefully it will motivate us with the truth of the gospel to remember, I'm here to reach my street. I'm here to love people, reach people, change a region. I am not here to go to church and sing songs I like and have a bit of sermon therapy. That is not Christianity. There will be people that do that their whole lives, and Jesus will say, go away from me, I never knew you. And yeah, that's scriptural. So guys, we have to get on the front foot of your call is to reach people. And so I want to do everything we can to help you be motivated into that reality of, I've got to reach people. It's not how cozy can we get this. It's how mobile can we get it. Let's go reach the world. Now, guys, I'll be honest with you. Come on. You've made it through the last 10 years. It's been nuts. You've made it through the last two and a half years. It's been double nuts. It's been crazy. And you're still here. So as far as I'm concerned, you're the SAS of Christianity. If you're still here, you're either nuts or you're very devoted. I'll call you devoted for today. Is that okay? You can work out whether you're devoted or nuts, but you're still here. And that's great. 
So now we're going to move forward into our next bit. Um, huh. Go into, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I thought there was another one like that. Oh, well, we'll keep moving. Go. Um, Ephesians 6, verse 15, talks about the readiness of the gospel. Your feet shod with the readiness of the gospel. You got your sandals on ready to go, in other words. Have you ever thought about this? Your ability to keep moving is part of your armor. I think sometimes we think if I hunker down, put my shield of faith up and try not to change too much, hopefully the enemy will leave me alone. But you know, the safest place to be is, well, think of Leone right now, on her own. Let's be honest, not always the strongest physically because of all that she's been through. And she's heading off to a war zone right now because she knows the safest place to be in God is on the front line of his will. You can hide in your armor in a corner and get killed. You might as well be out on the front line. I was with a church a little while ago and I I started to speak about this verse that our feet should be shod with the readiness of the gospel and that it's part of our armor. And I've got to be honest with you, I felt like I was in the sleepiest. I mean, there there was a few snores from the back row. The dullness in the eyes offended me. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you want to see people with a little bit of spark in them. Do you know what I mean? A little bit, oh, a little bit, ah. Anybody here? Don't ever get dull. Waymaker, miracle. You don't need a waymaker if not going anywhere. Way. Just call him homemaker instead. Coffee drinker. I was offended. Costa was closed this morning. Can you believe it? I had to go and drive for my Costa. Life's about more than our comforts. Come on, Westerners. Life's about more than consumerism. Life's about more than my preference. It is a go hidden in the gospel that keeps us healthy and catch this, keeps you protected. Don't die in a corner safe at home. Get out on the battlefield. I mean, if you're going to die, at least die on the battlefield doing something interesting. Do you know what I mean? Let's not enter into heaven, you know, singing, oh, when the saints, like the British little consortium from East Yorkshire, oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, here we are in heaven, coming through the pearly gates, singing our nice little songs, but not having done anything. Living on the plains of mediocrity where there are crowds and crowds of so-called Christians rather to be like Nicky Cruz, you know, saying to, oh, what was his name? Oh, David Wilkerson saying to Nicky Cruz, wasn't it? You can cut me into a thousand pieces and every piece will say I love you. Remember that line, the cross and the switchblade? Get onto the front line of what God called you to do. Have fun in Mexico, Andrew. Let's pray for Leone. God, keep her strong, protect her. But thank God she's out there to transform governments. And God bless her that she won't shrink back, even at the threat of a war zone. I remember the day she called my phone when she was in a certain South American country and she'd annoyed the president. She called me saying, there are men on the roof next door with guns and I think they're after me. Live on the front line. (sighs) She comes home, she gets leukemia, she gets healed. And yet still, I'm going to keep going. When you get saved, 
You're not just saved from your sin. We are saved for a purpose. And we have to believe in that purpose as much as the forgiveness of God. It's all wrapped into one in God's mind. We're very good kind of Western Greek influenced thinkers. We compartmentalize. That's why we say I go to church instead of I am the church. Because we compartmentalize. We do this bit, tick. God's happy, now I go and do what I want and use my money in whatever I want and we spend our leisure time however we want when actually Christianity is this not a moment of my time that isn't his. There's not, there's, not, there's not a penny in my bank account that isn't his. There's not a single one of my dreams that can't be puff, it's disappeared by God. I just want him completely and absolutely and I'd rather live one more minute with God than a lifetime without him. Come on, we're here to go into all the world and reach the region. Yes, and pound pavements and pray for people and give out hot dogs if you have to or just eat them if nobody comes. That's fine by me. We give up fasting on that day. Come on, we're called to go. And let's be honest, sometimes our age gets in the way. You know, the older you get, not you. Definitely not you. The older we get, the more of a late adopter attitude rather than early adopter begins to happen in our psychology. It's just psychology. The older you live, the more memory banks you have. So whenever something new comes along, the more stuff you've got to sift through before you decide whether you agree with the new. And the older you get, the harder it gets. When you're young, you live out of your imagination. Oh, to be Zach and Joe and Sam and these days, just going, we can do anything. And now you get to the ripe old age of 23 and, and it becomes, will it work? Can we? Nobody's ever done that before. How's about we use divine imagination instead of falling for the it'll never work brigade? Let's just keep things as they are. This sleepy church never finished the story that I was at the other week. You could see, it was a good church, but you could see They were falling asleep on their watch. Just give me one more song, worship leader. Give me one more therapy sermon, preacher. Roll in front of me one more famous guest. I just want to feel like I'm at God's never-ending buffet of roast beef and Yorkshire puddings. And I will eat because God's good and I want to be fat. Instead of with the SAS. We're giving it a go. And here's the thing. (laughs) And to be honest, if you're still here, I know you're already good at this. We can cope with failure. We can cope with success. We know what it is to be humbled, and we know what it is to have to humble ourselves. We, we, We know what it is to have to flex with the seasons, but we're going after God. A great enemy of your go is the older you get, the more sedate everything can become. So I have to slap myself every now and then and say, come on, Cooper, get on the front edge. In a million years' time, you'll realize you were never that old in your 50s. Come on, get with it. We've got to go reach people. Amen? (laughs) Oh, fear. Fear stops us stepping out. hmm. Everyone in this room, except for Rob Pritchard, craves the familiar. Rob is a pioneer through and through and a revolutionary. If it's new, he loves it. But most of us crave the familiar. 
How's about we crave some new pastures? How's about we make some new memories and some new stories in God? Come on, some new stories. If we keep doing the same thing, we'll never get new stories, will we? And let's be honest, last two and a half years has been uh, difficult, right? We're, we're a lot smaller uh, in every way, not just membership, but just inability to do certain things. And so we're in a rebuild season. And uh, I will not use the phrase build back better. I never said it. I never said, but let's build back better. <laughs> The conspiracy theorists are about to walk out the door. Now, stick with me. Stick with me. We've... Oh, thank you. Um, Like the two and a half years that we've had, it's easy to face life hmm, with a lean back of fear instead of a lean in of adventure. We, We were born for adventure. Have you noticed, you know, I can talk to some people and I can, I can see sometimes when you're just counseling or helping someone that they're approaching their life as a victim. And so it becomes their fault and their fault and that organization and that person. I'm like, No, 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 you're never going to win if you keep pushing all the responsibility onto those around about you. You can only take control of the bit that's within your control. So forgive all of them, basic biblical scripture, even if it's through gritted teeth to begin with, but you must get the bitterness out of you and find a place of peace somehow. And, you know, and there's enough awesome stories around the world, isn't there, of people that are forgiven things that we think, how on earth have they done that? But somehow the grace and favor of God helps. But we, we must find a place of forgiveness and we must recapture our lean in. I'm not letting that idiot steal my life. I'm, going to let them, I'm not going to let them live rent-free in my head and make me bitter for the rest of my life. Just because there was some doofus that did something bad to me, I, I am not their property. Even if, even if I was in a family with them, I'm not their property anymore. I am God's, and I refuse to have the rest of my destiny stolen by an organization or a pastor or a person or a husband or a wife or whatever the rejection situation was. I refuse to be a victim of it. I'm God's son, and I'm getting my leaning back you know even the pandemic people like me can sit around going we've been building all this stuff for years and look what the pandemic's done look what brexit has done look what covid has done look what boris has done (laughs) oh there's more agreement in the room than i thought then on that one should we just not go there because i'm not interested in politics at all we'll leave it for people like rob to reach right He's anointed to do it. I am certainly not. I get too wound up. But we can go, look, look what the economy's doing. No, no, no. Come on. We are God's children. We live with the lean in of adventure. I love to see the missions begin to pick up again. I love to see even people going on holiday again. Come on. Let, do you know when we, we went on holiday recently and normally we're, we're asking God, we're praying over where to book, what to do, all this kind of stuff. God, you know, even when we go on holidays, God, you, you're going to let us go on this holiday? How do you want to bless us? And of course, after the pandemic, two and a half years of not being on a plane, I'm like, Vicky, I'm struggling. To, to, have you guys been yet or are you just about to go? Tomorrow, ooh, hallelujah, going on holiday. Um, uh, you know, I, I, Vicky and I were like, I'm feeling reticent. Is that God? And you know, in the end, I had to go, no, you know what? I don't think it's God. I just think it's anxiety for having not traveled for two and a half years. There is that element of, 
you need to get back on the bike and deal with the psychology of what's happened in the last two and a half years, don't we? We need to get back to being brave. For some, it's still need to get back to church. It's still too much of a change, and I understand it. But what happens is COVID takes control, or Boris, or a person, or a bit of legislation, or some economic strife. We've had it before. We'll have it again. God still works. He still looks after his own. He's still for you, not against you. He still wants to bless you, even for your enjoyment. You're not a tool that he's using. You're a son or a daughter that he's enjoying. Get your leaning back. Let's go have an adventure in God. Amen. Don't let fear take over at all. Right, let me move on. If not, we'll run out of time. I'm enjoying preaching too much. So we made some decisions uh, 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 this is kind of a little bit of a, a preamble. We've said we want to place a house of prayer at the centre of Revive. And we're looking for premises to do that and for a, for a headquarters. And there'll be more news about that soon, we, we hope and pray. And we changed the building strategy from one place that would seat a thousand. And in those changes, we felt a permission from God, prophetically from the outside. It was time to change. Now, here's a little thought for your own life too. Was it that we missed God? Was it that we, let's be practical, didn't raise enough money quick enough? Was it that we, that we uh, missed it in some way or was it God's plan all along? Here's how to do this with your life. When everything changed and you find yourself in an alternative to the thing you thought you'd be in. Anybody ever got that in their life? Right? You've ended up not in the city you thought, not married to the person you thought sometimes. Uh, uh, you find yourself in circumstances that have changed. And that's where we're at, Revive. But listen, I'm not going to let the grief of plans unfinished steal from our future. And you need to do the same with your own family and individual too. And you know what I say? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know which it is. But I know this, God's saying, move on. I know he's the God of alternatives, where sometimes his alternative is more glorious than what we thought the original was. That's the grace of our God. So I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether we missed it or whether God planned it, but I do know this, all I've got is God's word for today and we're moving forward. And all the practicalities of the money and all that kind of stuff, we will come back to you. As we work through it as directors and as a trust, we will come back to you with the thing that we're doing. It will be spiritual, it'll be moral, it'll be legal, and we'll let you know where we're going. We're just formulating that right now and working through the bits of it. But sometimes alternatives happen. And in your life, you're going to find it too. What you can't do is go, well, now am I in some state of failure? Sometimes, you know what? You just don't know. Who knows that God's will feels like dot to dot sometimes? You just go to the next bit and then I'll show you what to do. And some things that you thought you were going to, because that's in your head, you were just going through. That's what was in his head. And sometimes we're looking for destinations and God say, no, I, I'm, I'm still walking. As you walk into that town and you think, oh, this is nice. Are we, are we settling down here? And then you realize Jesus just kept walking straight past Starbucks, straight past McDonald's. And he keeps walking out the other side. And you go, God, I thought we were stopping in this point. Said, no, keep going. Keep going. Keep following Jesus. Amen. Keep following him. What's the next one? Oh, we reset our culture. I'm not going to go too far into that. Here's, here's some um, prophetic stuff that we felt too uh, 
kind of came in just before the pandemic and carried on through it, that God was saying that Revive was like a galleon ship, that it was time to break down into smaller catamarans. And this came from several sources as we worked through it. But here's the thing as we've prayed about it and, and sought God over it. Um, when it comes to bigger and smaller church, Here's the thing, and let me start to get into the practicals that we're really feeling, is revive for us. It's not that we're trying to say, let's become a church of little groups of 50 people. Uh, I actually believe that we've got to learn to become both big church and small church and take the best of both. Okay, that's the way that we're heading. So let me, as I get into the practical bits of how we're going to shift this one location into two locations, let me say some comforting things first. Are you ready for some comforting stuff? Um, it's not either or, it's both. We're going to enjoy the best of big and the best of small. In other words, we are going to be together lots. Every four to six weeks, we'll have a Revive United service with full band. We'll all come together, guest speakers. We're even talking about uh, big weekends where we're all together on conference-type environment and stuff like that. The youth will remain together uh, on a Friday night and for their other missions and events and stuff like that. Our prayer will remain together as we pray together uh, at the 7.14 on Wednesday. And in heaps of other environments, we're going to keep the big, and I pray that we get bigger. That's the whole point, right? That we reach the whole region and continue to grow. Um, And then the second thing um, that I hope will give some people some comfort. So essentially what is going to happen is we're going to pick up four or five pastoral houses and have them meet on a Sunday in one place and four or five other pastoral houses and have them meet elsewhere. It's going to be a group in Kingswood and another group that we're calling West Hull for now while we settle between here and Hesel. Um, but here's the reality. I want you to know this because uh, catch my heart on this. We're not to make rebels out of anyone. We totally understand that people are going to go from campus to campus and visit each other. It's absolutely fine. Nobody's going to be on the door going, oh, you shouldn't be in this one. You should be in the other. None of their business, right? We are one family right across the region, and nobody's going to question anybody about where you turn up. So I fully expect to be visiting and going back and forward. Here's the other thing. Yes, we will pick up pastoral houses and allocate them to a certain place, but we won't be able to tell if we've split a group of best friends, for instance. So we, we know that people are going to say, can I shift from this pastoral house to this one? Because actually that place is going to work better for me. And it could be to do with friendship or it could be to do with actually it's a better bus route. Whatever map you've looked at, the reality is I can get to this place better than this place. So there's going to be movement. We won't even create a transfer window when you can all move in August. We're just aware people are going to be people and we're not going to make rebels out of anyone. But in the long term, the hope is this, is that people will land in certain locations and then begin to develop a real heart for that area. Hopefully, we'll lose some of the commuter fragmentation across the church, where the reality is that people turn up for a Sunday morning about once every three weeks. Even now, there's only half the church membership in this room because people are increasingly, after the pandemic, coming about once every three weeks, sometimes really devoted people, even less than that. And so we have to begin to work around that. We would ultimately, in the long run, love to see more campuses planted and so that there's a campus near you. 
right? And yet we still all have time together at certain times of the month and stuff like that as well. Um, We want to deal with the sense of it being an event and start to really work at those family relationships. Because anybody remember the story that Rachel Hickson told of what's the ideal group size? And they, they got it down to 50, they decided. And they got 50 people in a room and they had a day together and everybody got to talk to everybody. And at the end of it, there was this respectable man, an influencer from London with his wife in his 50s, crying his eyes out. And Rachel Hickson went up to him and said, why are you crying? He said, I've been to church for 17 years and it's the first time that anybody's ever prayed for me. That's what size dynamic do, dynamics do. You get lost in the crowd. So we're trying to create the beauty of small alongside the fun of big. We're also trying to create more space for more leaders to grow and stretch. And we need to raise people up, right? Um, are you tired of listening to me? Thank you, both of you that said no. For the other 198 people in the room, I'm tired of hearing me. We need to raise up new generations, amen? Uh, We want to make sure that this church is set up for succession in years to come or whenever it is in God's uh, plan, we need to make sure there are leaders everywhere, raising up, preaching, pastoring, reaching areas. And you can't do that if really a church is designed around sitting, coming to church, singing some songs and listening to the same one or two people every week. We need space to raise people up. So we're going to be creating those spaces. So here's what will happen. Here's the practicals. Um, We will be creating two identical services that will be, uh, you know, about 100 people gathering in each. You would have got the feel of the size at your family gatherings earlier in the year. Um, There will be a campus leader there. Chris and a team are going to be leading the West Hull campus. Andrew and a team are going to be leading the the New Kingswood campus. Um, And again, As times move forward, we do expect to multiply those as well. I'll be alternating between the two and moving back and forward and supporting these guys as we begin to develop these two churches. One will stay here in the Civic Hall or in Hazel, back and forward as needs be because you can't always get the allocation. And, um, And one in Kingswood House, as you know. Let me see if I can do that a little bit in pictures to show you. If you can see that, that is the Revived Church membership post-pandemic. Can you see it's quite a broad region, you know, from down in Lincoln and Louth and all the way up near Bridlington and right across to Selby near Leeds. How do you draw all these people together in a family? Of course, the major clump is all in Hull and Beverly. How do you draw all these people together? Well, um, here you go. Part of what we try to do is gather people into pastoral houses that are now geographical. So you can see you've got like a coded in yellow. I have no idea what pastoral house that will be. And you've got one in in orange there, or that's what it looked like on my computer. And then the idea now is to gather those and place them in different locations in Hull, whilst also still gathering together regularly. We expect this to begin at the end of July, okay? You will all get... Uh, emails about your specific campus and your location. Is there any more after that? Okay. Um, So you'll get all the information very soon over the next few weeks. Uh, So here's kind of where we stand. We end up with a campus here and here, which is the Hull one, 
put into two. We've got the ghoul one here. And then these little flames are kind of outreach locations that are building up. We still want people in their own areas, even if it's not a fully-fledged church, to be reaching people in their area. And so you've got, like, the one in Bruff that's just had about 20 people in an alpha course. You've got uh, Ian and Lynn in the quadrant that have been seeing people saved for years. There you are, before, uh, before we turned up. But we love what you do. And every one of these outreaches is very, very different. But here's the thing. Go reach your region. Go reach the place where you live. If not, this is the problem with commuter church, Okay. Um, when we left Bridlington Avenue, do you know that there was only one person that walked to church from the nearby estate? Think about it. That's what the model of commuter church does. Slowly, over time, our Christianity and the expression of it erodes into, I come to a church service, I listen to the sermons, I might do a conference, but very rarely will I drive back into town for the prayer meeting or drive back into town to reach the people by the building where we meet. And so we are pushing back out to reach the people where we come from. And listen, I'm serious about this. If you want to start an outreach location that might not do many church services, but will do meetings in coffee shops and walks and hang out in the sports clubs and get to know people and see people saved. And as we're doing in Bruff, team up with a local Anglican church to see people saved. We must be using our energy and time, those who've got it, because I know everybody's in a different place in life. We must use it to reach people. Do not allow your Christianity to become a thing where I go to church and then I critique what goes on. You're in deception. It must be I am out to see the people on my street, in my village, in the suburb, or somewhere where God leads me. It might be in another land, but somehow our time and energy is charged from heaven to say you must reach people. If not, you're living something that's like Christianity but is not Christianity. So church, let's stay gung-ho. Let's go reach some people. Is that all right? Let's go reach some people. End of July, we're taking this group here, dividing into two, and heading off to sea. Here's, here's the one that's going to work quicker, easier, because of the dynamics. Uh, Andrew over in Kingswood and his team, we're going to be developing a seven-day-a-week community center to see people saved on Kingswood and the north of Hull. So it's almost like, which is strange for Pentecostals, we need to develop a parish mentality where we actually need to pray on the streets where we live and see people saved in the community where we live. And I, I worship in the place where I live. And so we have to get closer to that model because the commuter model is one, fragmenting our relationships, and two, I'll be honest with you, and this is something classic across the Western world right now, attractional, Big band, backdrops, lights, roadies, vans. We were doing all that up until the pandemic, right? Attractional church. Uh, and all that it does was seeing diminishing results year on year in the build-up to the pandemic. In other words, big church with big band and entertaining preachers was getting less and less fruitful for years. And so I believe God's come in and said, no, divine reset. Rethink. This is not good enough. We must be reaching people. And here's the thing. Our prayer is, we know reshaping like this won't make it happen, but it can facilitate us to realize, if I live on Kingswood, 
I'm there to see Kingswood saved. And I can team up with some Christians because we're all better in twos or mores, aren't we? And run after seeing people saved. Pray about an outreach location where you live. We'll do everything we can to help you see people saved. Don't expect you to do it on your own. But come on, let's pray about reaching people where we live. Because that's what we're here for. If we want a good worship service, well, let's just go to heaven now. But while we're on this earth, we live to see people reached. Amen? So please work with us. I know it's change, and I know it'll be fiddly in some adjustments. I'm absolutely, you know, when we were talking about it, the guys were like, nobody's going to go. We'll be placed them. And I went, I know. It's wonderful. It doesn't matter. Let's create movement, and in time we'll all land, as long as we realize we must be not going to church, but going to the region to see it saved. Amen? Come on, let's stand together in God's presence. You'll have more information about it all come your way soon. Let's have the team from Mexico out here.